0: Chris Russell and Pete Medhurst on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Final hour on a Tuesday. Hope you had a super Labor Day weekend. Getting back out there today. Going to be wet everywhere you go for the time being. Give yourself a little extra braking distance. You know the rules in a situation like this. And don't expect if your GPS says 15 minutes that it's going to be 15 minutes. As Pedro found out this morning, it got very Very slow. And the ironic thing, Chris, was I left 20 minutes earlier than I normally do. So – It all conspired against me this morning. Looks like
1: it's drying up though a little bit. Trying to outside of our studio windows here, but yeah, I mean that. I mean that can happen. I mean you're coming from a tough area, and uh, like I said, mine, you know, my commute was a little bit easier than what I was expecting. I was really worried about it, uh, you know, especially when I saw the rain and all that stuff. But uh, everybody, yeah, indeed, be safe out there. And you know, like when you're going to FedEx Field or. You're going wherever, you know, this weekend. Like, remember, not everybody knows where they're going. You know, I got to remember this, too. Not everybody knows where they're going. We get so impatient by people that are indecisive and switching lanes and whatever. I got to always remember, you know what? They might not be familiar with this area for whatever reason. They may not come here very often for whatever reason. We got to, you know, we got to chill out. We got to give them a little bit of a break Uh, because, again, indecisiveness
0: is well what happens is what happens is and this this is uh, I, I'll stay away from any stereotypes here but you get person driving down the road I'm in the left lane all of a sudden the GPS is saying exit right here mm-hmm. exit right here exit right here and that person goes oh my god I've got to exit right here But why? Start cutting across all the lanes. What I don't get is why
1: they're not listening to the GPS or at least checking it out with a quick glance to realize, oh, crap. And I know this happens to me. sometimes. 600 feet almost. Well, sometimes I'm on a phone call and you don't hear the audio version of the GPS. So you've got to like keep glancing at it. So, again, just. You know, and I know I've got to do a better job of it, too. I get frustrated. What what I get most mad about is when people think they're the only people on the road and their lives are the only lives that matter. And they're zigzagging in and out of traffic because, God forbid, they expected to be, like, you know, in traffic, and that's what I get really furious about. It's not so much the indecisiveness, because I know I've been in that spot before. Even with the GPS, you're like, you know, the GPS is like, turn right here, turn right here, turn right here, turn right here. You know, at the next time, and there's 14,000 different right turns that you can make. Slow down, everybody just chill. It's the people that think their lives and their time is the only time and lives that matter. That uh just again remember that especially when you're going to FedEx if you're going to FedEx Field uh and uh you know just keep that in mind. Uh, just keep that in mind. Um so like as we approach this game, right? Do you think um if they if they get if they lose on Sunday and they're 0 and 1, even if it's a close loss, but especially if it's an ugly loss, You've already said it's not necessarily going to matter in terms of like driving ticket sales and clearly that would not be a way to drive ticket sales. But do you think that we come in here Monday morning if they lose 2117? And though is 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 the world coming to an end yes. or is it just you losing, know what losing. we we shouldn't have we shouldn't have lost that game. I'm agitated. I'm bothered. But you know what? Who the hell were we to think that we were better than the Jacksonville Jaguars?
0: Here's the thing. And and, and if you're you're a fool if you don't think Doug Peterson's going to make Jacksonville better than they were last year uh, from all that chaos that they had. Question is how how fast will they get better? As I've often said, when you play a new coaching staff, you want to play them in the first game. They're going to get better under that coaching staff as the season goes along. No better time to play them than the first game. So Washington gets that advantage here. Doesn't matter whether you win by 3, 33, 23, whatever. You need to be 1-0 when you exit the stadium on Sunday. Plain and simple. And and I'm even willing to take a 21-17 you know, type victory, 24-21, Whatever. But you cannot exit the stadium because first game is always toughest game because you just don't know what you got until you get into the rhythm of the season. But you must exit the stadium 1-0 on Sunday. There's just no other way because there are a lot tougher teams on your schedule on what is supposed to be an easier schedule at 46% winning percentage from a year ago than the Jacksonville Jaguars. If you lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars, you're fighting uphill, you're chasing the season already, and that that black cloud – already starts to hover like Independence Day over mm-hmm. your season. Mm-hmm. It just does. It's reality. I mean, he, here's my fear. Like, everybody has been
1: parading around, thumping their chest like, we're so much better than everyone else. Who? And, fans, media. I mean, I hear it all the time on our stations. Oh, it's the, the the Jaguars, they suck. They're terrible. They had the number one overall pick. Mm. We didn't, right? And that's true. Somehow, some way, this team grinded out seven wins with everything that went wrong. Theoretically, they should be a lot better. Theoretically, but like to your point, Doug Peterson and the Jaguars are thinking the same thing. Are absolutely going to be, gonna be better. better. How much better? I don't know. How quick? I don't know. But are they capable of winning this game? Yes, they're capable of winning this game. That doesn't mean they will. That means. Were the Colts that better means than
0: Jaguars in the y- final regular
1: season y- game? Exactly. Roster wise. I mean, it's not always the best team, of course, as we know, on paper. It's the team that executes better and wants it more and so on and so forth. I think the Jaguars are going to be pretty fired up. Remember, Sheriff is making his return. You mentioned Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson seemingly opens the season against the Redskins commanders, Washington NFL team every year that he coaches, uh, whether it be in Philadelphia or now in Jacksonville. Um, they know that there's zero home field advantage, right? They know that heat, weather, whatever is not going to be a problem. They're used to playing in rain, practicing in rain, in humidity, whatever. That's not a problem. They know that while maybe they don't have the depth and they're not in year three of their rebuild, that they have some of the top end tier talent that might be required. Again, getting Etienne back. Uh, having uh, what, what's the other running back's name? James Robinson cleared back. Christian Kirk addition. Uh, they got rid of Chenault. Um, they have you know Sheriff of course on the offensive line. They added him. Cam Robinson is back on the left side. Dude, their defense is their be defense better. is trami- is going to be way yes. better up front. Trayvon Walker and who's the other first round pick that they had? Um, I, I'm, I'm I'm blanking. I I gotta look it up to be honest with you. Um. Uh, I'll get it in a sec. Um, But he was on defense as well. I mean, like, I really think people are like, oh, the commanders are going to be able to control them at the line of scrimmage. The commanders are going to be able to do whatever they want for Carson Wentz. We're going to protect Carson Wentz.
0: That that group is tricky good. And as much as we talk about how Doug's going to help the offense, their defense may be good enough to carry them through the early portion of the season. The great question with them is, we just don't know how last year affected Trevor Lawrence's development. We just don't know.
1: Well, we don't know. But we don't we, know how we, much development I mean, do there we, was. Do we really know what Carson Wentz is going to be?
0: No, but Carson Wentz is a veteran. We've seen Carson Wentz play a number of games. Yeah, but, but I mean – Trevor you Lawrence know, went through a season last year with – I don't want to say no coach. That's fair. But that was – I mean, that – could you – could you go through a season with a more brutal uh development situation than him based on the fact that his coach was just I'm not sure what he was doing last year to be honest with you.
1: Uh it, it, Devin Lloyd was the player yeah, that the I was th- that I was thinking about. Um mm-hmm. uh, w- which we we had talked about him a lot. So I mean, uh, sorry, if if you add Devin Lloyd, right? Chad Mumo, who is another another guy from Wyoming that we had talked about uh, that they did not draft, right? He went in the third round uh, to Jacksonville. And, again, these are new players, so we don't know how they're going to adjust to the NFL game, along with Josh Allen, who we know is a pretty darn good edge pass rusher. We've seen that. Uh, Remember what they did to the other Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. You mentioned the Jacksonville game. uh, I'm sorry, the Indianapolis game and Carson Wentz. uh, At the end, you add uh, um, – Travon Walker, uh, you know, to that pass rush. To me, I think that's where this game is going to be won. Can the commanders pass protect for Carson Wentz? Can the commanders keep Carson clean where he's not getting absolutely pummeled and where the entire operation is out of rhythm? Can the commanders avoid third and 20 situations because of penalties, whether it be false starts? Holding, uh, chop blocks, all of that stuff. If they are in third and long, second and long all game long, my buddy Grant Paulson's gonna scream about how you can't run the ball and whatever. They are gonna have to find a way to keep this front seven of the Jacksonville Jaguars, this rebuilt, this re-energized, this renewed, uh, you know, again, flush now with at least some more pieces. I'm not saying ultra talented, I'm not saying they're San Francisco or anything like that. I'm not saying they're Aaron Donald and the Rams. We got it. We know they're still the Jaguars, but they are much better than what the Jaguars were. And you know what? At times last year, to your point, Pete, they weren't that bad. They weren't that bad. As a matter of fact, that was probably the strength of their team, and now they're flush with more. So don't come into this game thinking, we're going to be able to do what we want. We're going to be able to drop back Carson Wentz, seven-step drop 40 times a game. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. Not
0: only that, the trio of... Christian Kirk, Marvin Jones, and Zay Jones, it's not a bad trio. Those guys can go catch the football. They're gonna test the Washington defense. Yeah. Ultimately the question here too is Travis Etienne lined up likely against yeah. a safety or Jamin Davis. And 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 don't don't forget that
1: one of their safeties, meaning the commanders, Cam Curl, we don't know if he's gonna right. be able to play. Right. And if he can play, he's gonna be Limited, at least to some degree, with, I presume, like a cast or whatever, which is going to make it harder to tackle. But your point, matched up probably at times with Jamin Davis, you know, on wheel routes and in the flat and whatever. Now, we know Jamin can run. We know Jamin can tackle. Do we know that Jamin is not going to get shook, if you will, in open space? I mean, that can happen to the, the best of the best. I mean like if you if you take the wrong angle or the wrong approach or or whatever and you're in open space against a guy that knows what he's doing and you don't know what he's doing. And, it, again, it's not just necessarily at the end. It could, again, be James Robinson. I would expect James Robinson is going to be on a snap count. I would expect Travis at is going to be on a snap count. So maybe you don't see them with 20 touches
0: each. All it takes is one or two, though, to affect a game with sure. ATN especially. ATN can roll.
1: But maybe to your point, right, we say, okay, well, we know our guys are on pitch count – snap count, sorry – want to make sure I get that right, snap counts, right, out of the backfield. To your point, hey, they don't have Chase Young. They don't have a great pass rush from last year. Their secondary had all sorts of communication failures last year. They might not have Cam Curl. Why don't we use those three receivers? Like you said, Marvin Jones, A. Jones, Christian Kirk, who everybody had a problem with getting paid. Eh, you know what? I, I mean, so did I. But Christian Kirk's not like – I mean, it's not like he's nothing. I, I mean, He's probably going to have 80 catches – If he stays healthy this year, let's get those guys going. Let's attack their defense that way and then sprinkle in a tag
0: team combination of Etienne and James Robinson. Because to me, that I mean, look, uh, as everybody out there wants to play the Carson Wentz violin here in this offseason, to me, this season for Washington and its success hinges completely on the defense. Mm -hmm. And this is a sneaky, tough matchup here. In week number one, in theory, you think Jacksonville has upgraded their offensive line enough to help Lawrence have more time to throw. Mm -hmm. How do they utilize these three wide receivers in Doug's system? And you've got two capable running backs that you must account for. I mean, if if I show up to a 7-on-7 with Robinson, ATN, Jones, Jones, and Kirk, with Trevor Lawrence as my quarterback, we might be able to stick around a little while Mm -hmm. that day. So, to me, Washington's got to have – Got to prove the ability to stop them, and that's a huge question mark until they show us different right now. You know how
1: you stop them? You attack Sheriff and rookie Luke Forner, the third-round rookie at at center. You attack that gap. That means Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen at times with crosses uh, and games and stunts and twists and all that stuff. That's how you – Help stop Jacksonville. Put them in third and long. Put them in second and long. Uh, you know where where they have to start scrambling around just to get like back to square one. That's what you do to a young, still kind of mishmashy offense in its first game that count. And remember, Doug Peterson was really light, and that goes back to our conversation about Ryan Kerrigan. Right? This defensive line, and I understand without Chase Young, this defensive line has. Been is completely out of excuses, I think, in most people's mind, right? Yes, Chase Young is in here, so that's going to be the excuse. They fired the coach. They have the guy that the players wanted. They have RK, the guy that the players wanted, liked, respect, loved, whatever, that was in the locker room a year ago. Again, they don't have Chase Young. I understand they don't have Tim Settle and Matt Ioannidis, so maybe it's not fair to say they're out of excuses, but Pete,
0: they're almost out of excuses. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, uh, that, uh, look, I mean, at some point, time runs out, man. Time runs out on every coach. Time runs out on players. And if you can't win with this combination of players, at some point, you know, maybe, maybe you got to move some people around to uh, move them away, get new people in here. Because if you're not winning with them, you know, you can certainly move on and, and do something else without them. This team seems, I think, qu- qu- the the question ultimately is and we can talk about this when we come back, this group thinks they're they're this close. Right. Okay, They think they're this close. Are they? The reality is are they. Okay. That's the let's, reality let's examine that. going into this game. 301-230-0980. That is the question. Also, in our final takes today, you know, we've been waiting. I, I can't tell you how many people and how many of you have reached out about sports gambling in Maryland because I'm a Maryland resident and you know that, and I've talked to – some of the people that are in the right places and the Washington Post did a great story this weekend which I can tell you is fairly accurate and we know who the culprits are you need to remember that when it comes time to go to the ballot box if you're a person that's waiting on mobile wagering every other state seems to be getting it done easily Maryland not so much bureaucracy at its highest point 301-230-0980 that's how you get to us and of course streaming live for free on the Odyssey app Washington thinks they're this close. I ask you, Chris Russell, after last year, Taylor Heineke, the former Old Dominion monarch, who, by the way, dropped Old Dominion jerseys in the lockers of Logan Thomas and Kendall Fuller and Joey Sly with ODU somehow. Look, Old Dominion had nothing going on in that game the other night. Until they get a scoop and score, and they still shouldn't have won the game because they're still not that good, and they're going to get pummeled in the Sun belt, Except Virginia Tech just said, Hey, we're not going to win the game. We're just going to give it to you. Here you take it. And Old Dominion eventually won the game. So Ty- Taylor Heineke, the ODU grad, put the jerseys in the lockers of his Virginia Tech teammates. Well done. I mean, that's what he Taylor should Heineke. do, Taylor Heineke.
1: That's what he should do. Well done, how, how about, young how, fellow. How about the fact that. Virginia Tech has now lost their last two trips to ODU. Number 1, number 2, um their coaches got stuck locked, in the elevator. St- stuck yeah. in the elevator. The second so half. they 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 couldn't make it up and the second half was delayed and apparently like a bunch of their players uh, – I saw a headline. I didn't read the whole story. A bunch of their players had stuff like ransacked from the locker room.
0: Yeah, and one of the Hokies apparently had to apo- – was apologizing on social media for getting too physical with a fan. Because, I mean, look, you, it, when fans enter the field – and here's the problem with that. It's why the SEC puts a huge fine on or, on uh, you know teams to make sure that they get this right so this doesn't happen. When fans flood the field – and, look, let's face it, Old Dominion doesn't have much of a Division One football history. So they beat a team like Virginia Tech, fans flood the field because they want to be a part of it, and sometimes it goes the wrong way. Some guys, sometimes people don't celebrate with their with their team, you know. They try to get stupid and get in the face of a Virginia Tech person. What one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Houston, we beat Houston a couple years ago at our place. The brigade, the brigade has never run out on the field Mm -hmm. ever. And we beat them 46-40. Houston was ranked number five in the country at the time. Five in one poll, six in the other. And all 4,000 members of the brigade flood the field. One Houston player Mm -hmm. is caught in the middle of them. He shows an amazing amount of class just walking, as did the brigade. They didn't mess with him. He didn't mess with them. He looked like a lonely guy in a sea of white. And it was one of the more fascinating things I'd ever seen because the brigade – had never, I'd never seen the brigade rush the field, and they did that day. Wait, was- wait a
1: second, you're saying the brigade—people that live to support our, to defend our country, mm-hmm. and operate under a, a way, 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 way different prism than any of us—that mm-hmm. they had respect and and sure. and, and, and just, decency just, and <laughs> uh, it,
0: it's it's. But that's what makes yeah, that's what makes that place as special as it as it is. But as we see Chris in a lot of these other college environments, court, you don't yeah, you don't court storming, right. field, you know, coming out on the field. Sometimes it can go bad. Oh yeah. And, you know, the other night it briefly went that way for at least one hokey who was apologizing, um, you know, saying, Hey, that's not me. That's not who I am. I apologize. Yada yada. And and look, that's you know, that's a start. And unfortunately for Virginia Tech from a football standpoint, they got a long way to go. I mean, and obviously it was – you saw it with Old Dominion somehow snatching victory from the jaws of defeat uh, the other night. But I ask you this question. Washington, you know, if they snatched, you know, victory from the jaws of defeat a few more times last year, even with Taylor Heineke playing quarterback, they could have been knocking on the the door of a postseason berth again, which they did to the the previous season under Ron because everybody else in the East sucked. But are they – as close mm-hmm. as they seem to think that they are from a football perspective right. to being better than a and much better than a seven win team.
1: So here's how I would answer that, and you can tell me I'm full of you know what, or you can agree, or people can chime in too. Three zero one two three zero zero nine eighty three zero one two three zero zero nine eighty at Pete Medhurst uh, at WrestleMania six two one. However, you want to get your thoughts heard. I believe. They are closer than a lot of people in the media and some in the fan base think they are to being a legitimate contender this year. I don't know about year after year, like a perennial contender, like a Green Bay, like a, you know, uh, Pittsburgh, that type of thing. Okay. I believe this year, Pete, they are closer than many in the media and some in the fan base think they are. However, there's always a, however, <clears throat> I do not think they are as close as they think they are. I don't know if that makes sense. They, I believe they think they are closer than they should be thinking. I believe they are closer than many are thinking they are, but I'm stuck between that and... And not believing them or their belief in themselves as much. Because I think what they've done is, you know, Ron has a lot of talking points. Ron has... Ron is very media savvy. He understands, guys, if I just keep repeating the same thing over and over and over again, you're going to hook, hook, line, and sinker believe it, right? If I keep saying, no, 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 we're close. We think we have a quarterback. That's going to be the narrative. And true to some degree, that's going to be the narrative. But smarter fans, I think, and media pundits don't just take everything hook, line, and sinker that the head coach spews out on a daily basis. Now, well, I mean, that, we went through that with Shani. Right, And, and you know, I mean, right, right. You know, Mike, Mike was the master of deception. Right, but that being being said, I believe internally, Pete, they think that their defense is going to be way better this year because A, of communication, B, stability, uh, C, because they're not taking on the Hall of Fame gauntlet of quarterbacks that they did last year. So I believe that, uh, along with I I think they think they have more depth, and, and, and they do, they do have more depth than they did probably last year at any point, even with Chase Young not being available for, at minimum, the next four games. However, again, like it it is absolutely a, yeah, well, prove it. Don't, Don't give me this nonsense of we're close, we're close, we're close, we're close, we think, we think, we think, and then come out and look like, absolute dog crap this Sunday. Don't do it. It's one thing to do it against Patrick Mahomes in a meaningless preseason game at Arrowhead two weeks ago when, you know, yeah, we got all fired up about it, but nobody cared, big picture. Don't do it against Trevor Lawrence. Don't do it against Jared Goff, because then
0: zero people are going to believe you. Real simple. Let's simplify it a little bit. In your mind, was last year fool's gold for Philadelphia or are they are they the best team in the NFC East coming into this season I believe they are the best
1: overall team in the NFC East however the problem is is because there's so much legitimate question about the quarterback I can see how they can how they can be a, a really good team on paper and have done all the right moves but where they can win 8 games and, and only eight games. If they get killed by the injury bug, if Jalen Hurts doesn't take a dramatic step forward, all of that stuff. And again, I, just, I need time to see that. But on paper, with the caveat being clearly they have a quarterback that has maybe as many questions as Carson Wentz and Daniel Jones. I don't know if you'd say there's more questions about... I guess you would say there's more questions about Daniel Jones. Maybe there's not more questions about Carson Wentz. I don't know. But, I mean, Jalen Hurts got a lot of questions. I mean, Dak Prescott's got questions. And he's the best quarterback in the division, and it's probably not close. But even Dak's got questions, right? So, Jalen Hurts has got some significant questions. To me, right now, that's the only major question I see for the Philadelphia Eagles. Right now. And, and, and again, that doesn't mean that the tone won't be different 17, 18 weeks from now, but right now, that's what I see. But when we look at the commanders, Pete, when we look at them, do we say, hey, you know what, at least they've got no questions about the quarterback? No. Hey, at least they've got no questions about the defense. It's, no. Okay.
0: Let, let's, hey, at least they've got right. no
1: questions about the pass run. You
0: know, you, you said and it. Dak, go on and on. Dak is by far the most proven product at quarterback yeah. in the division. We know that. We understand that. Let's look at skill people for a minute, and and let's look at it how they'll line up on Sunday because Antonio Gibson is certainly back in that position. Uh, by you know the attrition to to Brian Robinson right now, Gibson is, is back in that spot. I think he is. I. You think it's I, Jonathan Williams I, or J D. McKissick?
1: I think Jonathan Williams and J D. McKissick is going to start. Start. I think Antonio Gibson will be used. I think Jonathan Williams and or J.D. McKissick is going to get the first snap. Wow. All right,
2: we'll I, I could that. be wrong.
0: I could be wrong. Can we bet a dollar on that? Sure.
2: Right,
0: Let's do gonna it. Bet, we're going to bet a dollar on that. Right. Um, but skill people. How about an or- a dollar and an Oreo cookie? All right. That'll work. Go together. Like a fantastic combination. Yeah. Um, skill people in the division. Is it Washington, Dallas, or Philadelphia? Because it's not the Giants. All,
1: all skill people, right? Maybe, maybe trying... I
0: mean maybe you consider the Giants because the the legend of Kenny Galladay yeah. makes them a, yeah, a pretty it's, good skill group.
1: It's, it's not a good enough legend though because of his injuries. i yeah. so. So and Kadarius Tony's a major. So question is it or, Philadelphia?
0: Yes. Is it Dallas? Or is it Washington?
1: Honestly, if I'm if I'm being If Brian Robinson's going to give me something sort of... That resembled in the preseason. In the second half of the season, I would probably say on paper, skill-wise... Again, we're talking receivers, running backs, tight ends. Skill-wise, I would probably put the Commanders number one.
0: Wow. In the division. Wow. All right. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith versus McLaurin and Dotson. Ceedee Lamb... And when he gets back from an injury, Michael Gallup versus McLaurin and Dotson.
1: I mean, I got to see A.J. Brown in a better passing offense before I'm ready to crown Think a. about A.J. Brown. Brown.
0: He's going from Ryan Tannehill to I Jalen know. Hurts.
1: I know. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I've got to see him in a better coordinated passing offense to know that A.J. Brown's a stud. I-, I don't know if he's a stud right still, now. Still, though, a
0: significant run-based no offense. Doubt. No doubt. But I also and Philadelphia is going to and and to your point, Philadelphia though, is going to run
1: the ball a lot. So he so he may never yes, be able to put up the but numbers. Here's the thing.
0: Here's the thing. And this is and again, maybe I'm buying too much into the fool's gold from last year. Mm-hmm. What Nick Sirianni designed it may be to his credit enough to where Jalen Hurts doesn't have to do the extraordinary in Philadelphia. Just do the ordinary to be successful. He's got two, he's got excellent running backs. You know, Miles Sanders, he's another frail guy, gets hurt a lot, but Gainwell is definitely a, a guy that could step right in and give you the same production. And you got a couple of wide receivers that are are are, are very good players. You got McLaurin, Dotson looks like he could be uh, again with with development, uh, a potential elite talent at that position. Mhm. You know the Robinson-Gibson dynamic right now has to play out before we can really put Washington. See, I think the edge at running back right now puts Philadelphia over the top, slight edge in that uh, category right now because the and and also the questions at tight end. You don't know what Logan Thomas is going to look like here uh, eventually. So I think from that standpoint, I would give Philadelphia the the slight edge. Dallas again. How is Gallup going to come back eventually alongside Lamb? Prescott, though, uh, elevates you in that situation. He gives you some elevation at the quarterback. I think that's the – Chris, I think this is the, the fascinating thing about the East this year mm-hmm. is there is quality. There is sneaky good quality that if if Lamb realizes his full potential finally and now being the focal point there in Dallas – the offenses in this division are going to be sneaky good mm-hmm. as long as the quarterbacks don't pee down their leg. I mean, yeah. If Wentz and Hurts give you over 60%, 62%, 63%. Uh, I, need,
1: I, need more, I need my quarterback to be higher than 62%. He's going to drive me crazy if he's 62%. Oh, my God.
0: Okay, Taylor Heineke was 65 I, last year. He stunk. That's he wasn't what, good. He was 65%. I know he wasn't everybody, very good. Th- everybody thinks he was terrible. He wasn't very good.
1: I need my quarterbacks to be
0: 67%. If or you higher. Get, look, if you get 67% out of Carson Wentz with the skill people Washington has, they're knocking on the door every week. Oh, except wait. Wait. It's The guy's on the other side of the ball. So 24 points should be good enough every week. In the National Football League, against most teams, if your defense just has a, a remote uh, ability to stop people, just get off the field. Look, they were woeful. They gave up forty-eight percent on third down. How much does that figure have to improve for them to find? And look, they won seven games, right? Despite being how do what does that figure have to be for them to say get to ten or eleven? Ten or eleven, it has to be
1: thirty. In my opinion, thirty-eight percent or lower. Thirty-eight. Who? Who's? I'm sorry. Oh, okay. In my opinion, it's got to be thirty-eight percent or lower to get to ten or eleven. If you're at forty, I think you can win nine games,
0: roughly. I mean, do you realize how much better you have to be? How many more yeah. plays you've got to be better yeah. to go from forty-eight percent to thirty-eight percent? Yeah. I mean, they've got they've
1: got to be way better, and that's pass rush, that's stopping the run, that's tackling, that is. I mean, whether we're talking Buffalo nickel, uh, big nickel, little nickel, two pennies for your thoughts, whatever. You know, and I I, I mean, I know people are going to like, yes, it's tough. It, It can be done. Teams radically change. Their third-down metrics – I mean, mm-hmm. this team radically changed its third-down metrics well, in, the, over, in the wrong
0: direction we from 2020 them, to 2021. When we went over them a couple of months ago, we had some teams that went from the 40s yeah. down to the 30s, yes. and thus their results got better. Yes. You know? Third-down is – but third-down and pass
1: rush, because it's such an important element of third-down defense – But I mean, it's important overall – but especially tied to pass rush or to third-down defense – if those two are significantly better, and I'm not talking about marginally better. It has if to be those two are
0: significantly better, yeah, this team can win nine-plus hey, games. You know who was the worst team in the league last year on third down? A team with a dynamic offense, the Chargers. Yeah. Okay? So, that just goes to show you, you can have all the dynamics, you can have the quarterback. I mean, hell, Deshaun Watson threw for 5,000 yards and won four games one year. Okay? You can have all that stuff, but if your defense is a colander – it's over, Harry. You're not winning 10 games, you're not winning 11 games. You're not going to the playoffs, plain and simple. We have found the missing person. Ladies and gentlemen, before we get to the break, we go down to the 757 where he was involved in all the partying probably that old Dominion was doing the other day. It's our man Paulie. Where have you been, Hoss?
2: Hell to the W, man. Hell to the W, man. Hey, man, it's Virgo season, man. I've been celebrating birthdays, it's my lady birthday, happy birthday, baby. Today is my grandmother birthday, happy birthday, grandma. You know what I mean? I've been celebrating, man. Hey, ODU, Yo, congratulations, ODU. P, I don't know what you're talking about. Ain't a win is a win. It's I know. But a win is a win. <laughs> it's a win. You know what I mean? And also, man. Condolences to to the two families that that students lost their lives over the weekend with this crazy shooting they had. The, the, the next night at a party over there by O.D. Man, condolences to those families, man. You don't send your kids to school to, to get that type of news. You know what I mean? So, condolences to those families, also. But um, yeah. Hey, look, good people. I said this a month ago, and, and you 100 percent correct with your analysis on the team. And We said it. It's called complementary football. The offense, the defense, and the special teams have to complement each other. You know, I mean, most teams, you know, it's hard to build a team where both sides of the ball are dominant. And clearly, they've given up on trying to build up the defense to be dominant. And now they're focusing on the offense to be dominant, which I'm not mad at. You know, so Maybe the, uh, their idea of an explosive offense will help the defense. You know, because there's always pressure when you, the other, you know the other team can score. You know, so if the other teams know that we can put points on the board, you know, maybe we can force them into situations that they don't want to be in. Like, like a team like the Eagles. You know, you know, I mean, Rupio like to say, it all, you know, they're saying it since Jalen Hurts been under center. He's not an accurate quarterback. He's not a good passer. So maybe that could work to our advantage if we can get some points up on the board. But see, what, what Philly has done, has tried to improve their defense. But you know what the good thing about all of this? come Sunday, we don't have to talk hypotheticals no more, man. The proof is going to be in the pudding. Yep. So we'll, we'll find out, man. And hey, Rufio, stop with all this gloom and doom, man. I've been listening to you all morning. You've been negative about everything. How are you negative about Ryan Kerrigan becoming an assistant coach, man?
1: How am <laughs> oh, so t- I negative?
2: Say, I'm talking. Polly, see, I'm. Polly, Polly,
1: I'm half convinced already. you listen with wax dripping out of your, your ears, world, man. World. With wax dripping out of your ears, because I I wasn't negative. I was just saying, hey, you know what? what? This is a pretty tall task.
2: I mean, I'm pretty sure that was a strain on his family life, too. The man knows what he want to do. Stop counting his pockets. Okay. (laughs) Thanks, Paulie. Hey, he wants to come back. You, You never know. We could be looking at a future commander's head coach. Possibly. I would not rule that out,
0: by the way, based on factors that we've observed in the past. So, Paul, appreciate you. Hey,
2: come on, man. Appreciate
0: you, Hoss. Good to hear from you. We were concerned that something uh, something else was at uh, play. So, we're happy to have you back as part of the family. By the way, before we get to the break, one of the more staggering statistics, by the way, of the 2021 NFL season. The Philadelphia Eagles had the top running game in the NFL. When you have the top running game in the NFL, you know what that means, Chris? You usually have the ball a lot, right? Philadelphia, 29 minutes, 45 Mm -hmm. seconds average time of possession. So, you know, all these coaches talk about, you know, we got to hold the ball. we got to do all this. Keep it away from the other team. Well, Philadelphia had the top running game in the league and didn't even have 50% of time of percentage. Mm -hmm. They were negative in T.O.P., by fifteen, you got
1: you gotta convert sometimes, yep, in that it, it, you know, with that running game and all that stuff. nothing negative about the big fella giving you what's trending. Now, I will quickly go through this commander's players off today as they get ready, as we've talked about all morning for the Jacksonville Jaguars week, one straight ahead, one o'clock. On Sunday at FedEx Field, players will return to the practice field just before noon tomorrow, Thursday, and Friday out in Ashburn. Meanwhile, Ryan Kerrigan, as we've mentioned, assistant defensive line coach. That is official. He made that announcement yesterday. Uh, And as well, the Nats riding a three-game winning streak. They're back in St. Louis tonight. 7.45 first pitch over on 106.7. The fan, Bruce Allen, testifying as we speak via Zoom in front of the House Oversight Committee. No details available on that just yet. And that's what's trending.
0: Final segment of the day. We found Pauly. He's going to celebrate. That's the good news. Time to celebrate right now. Russell's got to look at what's trending. It's time for Dumb Dumb of the Day on Russell and Mendhurst.
1: Ah, the Kardashians are always trending, my friend. And they're also really dumb. Hence, Kim Kardashian on the cover of something called Interview Magazine in which she's basically wearing a strap around her uh, buttocks and bearing it all But that's not why she's the dumb dumb. No, 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 no. She was asked about combating climate change while (laughs) using her. (laughs) Wait. While using her new private jet to get her where she needs to be. Here's what Miss Kardashian had to say I believe in climate change, I believe in anything that can help. But I also believe in being realistic. And I think there's sometimes so much to worry about on this planet. And it can be really scary to live your life with anxiety. She's learning from her, quote unquote, super climate changing involved friends. But she needs to practice a practical life. Quote, I do what I can, but you have to pick and choose what really works for you in your life. No one's going to be 100 percent perfect. Listen, here's what I got to say, honey. Nobody's expecting it to be perfect. Shut up.
0: How about that?
1: Congratulations. You're Chris's dum-dum
0: of the day. I don't know, but them surgically enhanced hind parts are mighty perfect there, Mr. Russell. (laughs) I'll say that. (laughs) They are plump. (laughs) And if you're just going to hold a string over top of them, that's pretty good for everybody else to look at. (laughs) Oh, my. Oh, that's a quality rump shaker right there, my friend. Quality rump shaker. Should probably just end the show on that. <laughs> That'll do it for us. Linnell is up next right here on the Rump Shaker, the Team 980.